Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan. It's time for Headliners. We've brought out the big guns tonight. Steve N. Allen and Leo Kurse reacting to tomorrow stories. Uh, tomorrow's stories. I get a sentence eventually, won't I? We've got big opinions, tomorrow's papers and lots to discuss uh, and maybe some grammar after the headlines with Miranda. Thank you. Good evening. The top stories from the GB newsroom. The Prime Minister has announced the UK is stepping up sanctions and military support for Ukraine, pledging to do everything in his power to starve Putin's war machine. His words follow that of Ukraine's foreign minister, who's accused Russia of a deliberate massacre in the town of Bucha outside Kiev. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says war crimes in Bucha and other occupied cities are to be examined by the UN Security Council on Tuesday. He says everyone responsible for war crimes will be found and punished. I want every mother of every Russian soldier to see the bodies of dead people in Bucha, Erpin and Gostomel. How was it possible to rape women and kill them in front of their children, making fun of their bodies even after they died? Why did they crush people's bodies with tanks? What did the Ukrainian city of Bucha do to Russia? How did all of this become possible? Well, former world heavyweight boxing champion Vladimir Klitschko was on the ground in Bucha following the attack. This is not special operation. This is not military objects. This is civilians. They've been shot in the head with the tight hands behind their back. This is genocide of the Ukrainian population. And that's exactly what Russian regime, Putin's regime, Russian army is doing, killing the civilians with the tight hands behind their back and with a shot in their heads. Well, meanwhile, evacuations from Mariupol and Luhansk have taken place today. That's according to Ukraine's deputy prime minister. Irina Vereshuk said over 2,500 people from the conflict zones have now left. She added Ukrainian officials were in talks with Russia to allow Red Cross buses to enter Mariupol to help more people. Earlier, Foreign Secretary Liz Truss tweeted that Russia was blocking life-saving humanitarian support from reaching the besieged city. At least six people have been killed and 12 others injured after a shooting in Sacramento in California. Police have closed off several streets while they investigate and are still searching for suspects. Mayor of Sacramento, Daryl Steinberg, says more must be done to end America's shootings. This senseless epidemic of gun violence must be addressed. How many unending tragedies does it take before we begin to cure the sickness in this country? 
And EasyJet has cancelled more than 200 flights over the weekend as airports struggle to cope with crowds and staff shortages. As the Easter holidays get underway, the airline has cut 62 flights alone, which were scheduled for tomorrow. It's blaming the disruption on a large amount of staff with COVID, leaving some passengers stranded. Well, on TV, online and DAB Plus Radio, this is GB News. Now it's back to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan. Joining me tonight are the monolithic Steve N. Allen and the monosyllabic Leo Kirst. That's right, I got given a thesaurus for Christmas <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. Uh, yes, indeed. Now, chaps, so great to have you with us. Leo, you've just got married and Steve and Alan, you just had a baby. So uh, are you mainly here just for a break, just for a sit down, <laughs> get, get your breath back? Well, I don't have a baby yet. We've just we've made a baby, but it's currently in the process of gestation. So uh, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any like stress. We're in the, the sweet period before the baby comes out. I can't believe you're not doing that thing they did in the '60s, where you're just pretending the baby only took like three weeks to grow inside the mother, because that happened always. You know, <laughs> back in the day, it's like I can't believe it. We got married and we had a baby six months later. It's a miracle. <laughs> full size. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think mine's going to be slightly larger than full size. Because I'm uh, six foot six, so it's going to. Um, do you think the child? Will, will, will the child be Scottish? Do you think? Uh, I hope it's I hope it's Scottish, but um, <laughs> as it's going to be raised in London, uh, I think it's going to it's going to end up sounding like uh, Guy Ritchie. Yeah, it's probably oh. inevitable. It'd be like a mockney, mm -hmm. won't it? Uh, so you've been married about uh, so what, a week, ten days. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah something like that. Any, any regrets? Nope. So far, it's pretty good. I know a good lawyer. I, I believe it's called the honeymoon period. I can get you out of it. So, well, I was just reading about these uh, <laughs> these no contest divorces. Yeah, we'll we'll talking to, about that. We'll later. have to get not, to that. Not that I'll ever need one. And uh, Stephen Allen, you are a father uh, to a, a charming and I've got no doubt handsome boy, which proves that adoption works. Hey, nice, nicely nice. done. I will say, spent this, all day practicing that. I know you've uh, you're one of those people who moans about uh, parenthood a lot. Yes. I This is an unpopular opinion, but everyone who told me that you'd be really tired when a when a kid arrives weren't working hard enough before the kid arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's not changed my level of sleep. I don't know. Pull your finger out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, it's true. You're up all night writing those gags. Yeah. And now you're just changing nappies. He's the Gordon Gecko of parenthood. Either way, you're dealing with something smelly and ugly. But uh, <laughs> listen, there you go. Congratulations on all counts. Uh, that's how you warm up your panel, let me tell you. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages. And we'll start with the Daily Mail. And here's their front page splash. Putin's stain on humanity. Moscow accused of genocide and war crimes as executions, rapes and mass graves are revealed by a Russian retreat echo horror of Second World War. The Daily Telegraph now. Allies want Putin to face justice for war atrocities. Also, Covid restrictions damaged development of children for a generation, says Ofsted. Yeah. No sugar Sherlock. The Independent, a terrible war crime, Western nations uniting condemnation of Russia over civilian killings as hundreds of bodies are found in towns around Kyiv. Horror in Bukha, the Russia, uh, Russia accused of torture and massacre of civilians. That's in The Guardian with a front page photograph uh, of utter carnage. How about the Financial Times? EU plans fresh Russian sanctions as evidence grows of war crimes. 
Putin's latest atrocities, genocide, bodies litter a street in the Ukrainian town of Bukha after horror executions are said to have been carried out by retreating Russian troops. 300 civilians killed in one town alone, some bound, gagged and executed. Western leaders accuse Russia of war crimes as mass graves are found. Absolute horror show. The Times, civilians shot in the streets. Another appalling, devastating photograph. Victims of the Russian retreat from Bukha outside Kyiv were left on the streets where they fell. The bodies were checked for explosives after reports that those in the town of Irpin had been booby-trapped. Beyond evil. Let's go to the Metro now. Putin's war crimes, shame. Worse than ISIS. And those are your dreadful and appalling and quite devastating front pages. Uh, Leo cursed devastating scenes in Ukraine, uh, particularly the town of Buka. Tell us more. Yeah, so this is across uh, all, all of the front pages. Uh, so as, as the Russians have been pushed back from, from Kyiv, uh, they've, you know, they've, they've been forced into this sort of... must be embarrassing for Putin if he's even being informed about it. Uh, but he's, he's had to climb down and remove uh, forces from, from Kyiv because they weren't getting anywhere uh, in, their, in their sort of invasion of the city. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as, they're, as they're moving back, they're finding evidence of just horrific war crimes. Uh, so in Bukha, which is, uh, which is a sort of... Uh, commuter town about 20 kilometres outside Kyiv, so you know the equivalent of Watford to, to London, I suppose. Um, they, they've found mass graves, executed civilians, uh, their, their bodies in, in the roads. They've found uh, evidence of people being executed with their hands tied behind their backs. Uh, there's, uh, there's horrific, horrific stuff uh, coming out. And it, and it can't just be blamed on the lack of discipline in the Russian army. This is, uh, you know, this is, this is really... Uh, horrific, and as as they're retreating, the army is uh, is mining roads, uh, is booby trapping houses, and booby trapping bodies as well. So when people go to to collect the the bodies, uh, you know they've, they've got explosive devices uh, going off. So um, so yeah, it's, it's horrific. Really, the you know the the worst kind of, of war crimes. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen, from, from Russia in this war, we've seen absolutely horrific, you know, indiscriminate shelling of civilian uh, buildings Needless and carnage, needless cruelty. Absolutely needless, and, and not doing anything. I mean, if Russia ever gets close to achieving its stated aim of, of bringing Ukraine back into, into the fold, making it part of the Russian Federation, I mean, this is completely going to turn the civilian population against them. Not that it looks like they're, they're ever going to get anywhere near that aim, but it's it's sad. One of the things that's sad is at the moment, as we're seeing this, uh, the you know some of the countries in Europe that previously were quite strong and firm against Russia at the, at the start of the invasion are now starting to prevaricate. So Germany, for example, obviously they get so much of their oil and gas from Russia. Uh, they're refusing to to give um, military vehicles to, to Ukraine. They were going to they were going to give 100 military vehicles to Ukraine. Now they've they've decided not to because they actually want to keep Putin sweet so they can still keep getting that that oil and gas, which is disgusting. And, and Germany's giving, uh, I think it's around about $800 million a day. Yeah. Uh, so that's funding. That's funding Putin's. It's keeping his war, war chest full. It's letting him prop up the ruble. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think Europe really needs to take a, you know, it might be a short-term hit. You know, we might have to put on a cardigan for, for a few weeks. But, you know, whatever we can do to help Ukraine, uh, you know, and to be honest, you know, if, if Germany couldn't, run its ovens for, uh, for a few weeks. I mean, uh, as history has shown us, that's not all bad news. You're right. Uh, listen, 
Steve N. Allen, if these images don't move the needle in terms of a Western response, I'm not sure anything will. Yes, exactly. It should hit the emotional part of us and ask mm. us to do more. It should also uh, let us remember what was said at the start of all this. So this, we can see the pictures of what's happened. We see, we hear the evidence of civilians being tied up and shot. That's not denazification or whatever Putin pretended mm -hmm. this was all going to be about. Also, I read, down at the bottom of the article, they say Moscow denies targeting civilians. They also denied amassing troops to have an invasion. So yeah. I think we can draw some lines about how truthful some of these statements are. That's right. Vladimir Putin, the king of cruelty and the king of fake news. Uh, another tough story. Sorry, folks, we will get a, a, some lighter stories in later in the programme. But a, a tragedy in America, Sacramento, USA, Steve. Yeah, second mass shooting there in five weeks in California. There's a video on Twitter that shows people running through the streets. There's restaurants and bars all busy. It's about mm. 2 a.m. in the morning. There's the sound of automatic gunfire. At least six people killed and ten people injured in this article. This is normally when the pro-gun people in America say that now is not the time for the gun debate. Yeah, it is. It's the most appropriate time because we're looking at the impacts of guns. I take the argument that it's, there's a bigger issue. The fact that someone would want to do this is clearly a mental health issue or some other issue. But you take the guns out of this, it's less of a bad situation. That phrase that they love, uh, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. How about don't let bad guys get guns? feels like there's a, a solution. Uh, who cares whether they're mad or bad? If they've yeah. been able to get hold of a weapon easily, then that's a problem for the Americans. Yeah. But actually, there are parallels with the, the, the horrific scenes we've seen there in, uh, in Ukraine that the Americans seem to be desensitised to these shootings. Um, we've seen, you know, schools, primary schools, you know, where, where you know, teachers and uh, children have been attacked. And again, if that's not enough to change public opinion, nothing will. I mean, yeah. do, you think, do you think the Americans will ever, you know, will they ever relinquish that right to hold, to bear arms? Do you know what? No, because of the, the, the era in which the nation was founded. Guns are an important technology almost that becomes part of the fabric of the culture. Mm. I mean, to, to be mildly glib, if we reinvented a country in the 80s, the Tamagotchi would be a, an amendment. It seems so <laughs> yeah. ingrained with what they do. But it's not, again, I'll flip, I'll flip and say it's not about the guns, because there are loads of countries that have lots of gun ownership that don't have mass shootings. Including Canada. But his, my theory would be, you know, if you're a country that's got lots of guns and no mass shootings, you get to keep your guns. You've shown that you can have guns without doing mass shootings. Whereas if you've failed to do so, very much America, it's time to have a look at whether you should have guns or not. What do you think about this, Leah? Well, the purchase of ammunition and guns actually went up uh, after Russia invaded Ukraine. So went up in, in America after Russia invaded Ukraine because I mean, it sort of shows the certain segment of the American population that might uh, agree with on some levels that, uh, you know, ha having guns, having an armed population prevents the tyranny of, uh, of higher powers coming in and, and, uh, and you know, messing with you. So yeah. that's why in Ukraine they handed out they handed out guns to the to the civilian population. Do you think, therefore, that Americans just see these tragedies as a necessary evil to protect the right to bear arms? Have the Americans essentially, you know, made a deal with the devil now that you just accept these shootings? They'll happen every so often. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, I think there's. Uh a certain uh, recognition or perception that these uh, shootings, um, if you stay away from the, the situation, I and mean, this, was, this was a brawl, a mass brawl that got out of hand and then, uh, and then somebody opened fire. Uh, so if you don't get in a mass brawl, then you're, you're less likely to get shot. So there's a, there's a perception of, uh, of that. If you avoid the trouble, 
then uh, you won't you won't get shot. I'll be kidding ourselves though. Isn't the genie out of the bottle? I mean, there are so many guns in America now. Probably more guns than you know than animals and humans put together. Uh, isn't the genie out of the lamp? Can you really stop these? gun crimes in America, won't they happen anyway? Well, again, I'm not an expert on this, but if you stop making the ammunition, the guns are pretty pointless. Mm. So if you needed to swiftly dry up how many shootings there are, there are ways of doing it. I think you're right. They, they will be, that's what I meant about the technologies ingrained in the, in the nation. Mm. But something needs to change. And even if it's not the level of gun ownership, if it's the attitude to gun ownership, yeah. that would trickle down to not having as many shootings. Yeah, and we are very lucky in this country that we don't have... I mean, there are gun crimes here, but we don't have a culture of gun ownership. Uh, my dad used to have a gun that's so big it's banned in America. Is that right? Yeah, my dad's a gun. Is that euphemism, by the way? No, no, he had a punt gun mounted on a boat. Looked like uh, something out of the Second World War. It was amazing. And what, what did he have it for? Was this just to get you to bed on time and stuff like that? <laughs> this was... Do your homework, Leo! <laughs> this... Or I'll give it both barrels! It was, it was keeping the... Uh, your, dad is, your dad is Billy Connolly. Uh, no, my, my dad's actually English. But it's uh, oh, keeping really? the tradition of uh, wildfowling, uh, punt gunning alive. So it's, it's a, you, you go out in the estuary, you go out with the tide. Mm. It's quite a dangerous thing to do because you're, you're dependent on uh, following the, the tide uh, and then the tide brings you back as well. So if you, if you misjudge it, then you're, uh, you know, you're in the North Sea for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that was his story. He was out hunting. <laughs> we'll believe you thousands wouldn't. Uh, Monday's Mirror now and further developments on the Tory MP David Warburton. Leo. Yeah, this is a bit more lighthearted. So, um, you know, good old-fashioned... Uh, political uh, sex and drug scandal. So um, David Warburton has been suspended as a Tory MP uh, over allegations that um, he, he's taken cocaine and um, also groped uh, a woman, climbed naked into a woman's bed and groped her. And there's actually a photograph of him with, um, with lines of what appeared to be cocaine uh, racked out. So, you know, it seems... Was it, was it cocaine or was it Sherbet Dibdab, the popular 80s confectionery? Well, there was a, there was a, twi a tweet going around that said... Uh, that, that claimed to be... It was, it was fake, but it was very convincing. Uh, an excuse from him saying it was actually his dandruff and he, he collects it uh, in a baking <laughs> tray and uh, like, racks it into lines. So a lot of people were, were taken it Or was it that. talcum powder? Perhaps he's got itchy toes. But it was on a baking tray, so it's just Ajax. It's the only way to really get down and scrub it. Because if you bake in a baking tray too often, there was always that little bit of stickiness. The residue. Which is why I wouldn't put my... So what you're saying is basically Parliament's answer to Mary Berry, and that's actually what's happened. There's nothing to see here. You tried to do, you tried to do a banana bread, it went horribly wrong. Are you claiming that Mary Berry once inappropriately tried to grab someone? Good luck with that, well, Corky. The only thing she grabs is uh, unbleached flour, so... <laughs> and that's, that's a statement from her lawyers. <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's, I mean, we, we can joke, of course, but actually this would be very, very damning if, if, if you know, if it comes to light that, that this public figure mm. has taken drugs, then well, there'll photo. be a case, case to answer. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, well, there's I, a I photograph. Guess, I mean, he'll, he might offer... <laughs> he might offer... He might, do you know what he's going to do? He'll call Prince Andrew and goes, right, dude, how do I get out of this <laughs> And Prince Andrew's like, you've got to go on Newsnight. Yeah, yeah. For me. Yeah. Emily Maitlis. Well, no, he's actually... He's checked himself into uh, a psychiatric hospital now. Uh, he's suffering from shock and stress. Yeah, aren't we uh, all? I mean, well, cocaine come downs are bad enough without having it plastered all over the, the newspapers. Um, and his, his are, are wife, they indeed, Leo? 
It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, and I know the strongest thing you take is iron brew. So. <laughs> well, it is made from girders. You can't get any stronger than that. Absolutely right. Yeah, well, look, a tough story. Um, we do wish him well. Clearly, addiction is a serious matter. Well, I don't know um, if he's addicted. And, uh, and, uh, or indeed, that's, that's any, 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 any narcotic relationship is, uh, is ill-advised, uh, I would say. And, um, and uh, I hope he's able to make a recovery. Uh, but an interesting story and a headache for not just him, uh, but uh, Boris Johnson as well. Should we stay on that story? Maybe not. Moving on to Monday's Guardian now and further systemic failings for the NHS, Steve. Back to the sad stories, I'm afraid, yes. Yeah. A survey of GPs has looked at the times when the NHS's uh, mental health service has been turning away children in need of help. So worrying examples in the article has uh, stories of minors who were trying to take their own life and didn't meet the criteria to get a referral. They required a GP referral, which in itself waiting for your, your minor to go and visit the GP, he'll probably be old enough to vote by the time he gets to finally That's get right. through. That's um, right. So uh, there are, there's a list of conditions. Like children and young people who are anxious, depressed or self-harming. Now, in that group, you could look at anxiety and argue whether that's worrying or not. Depression, people don't necessarily understand what the word means. But if you're self-harming, you definitely need help. And those are the people who are not being able to get to the treatment that they need. I remember when Theresa May said that the mental health services were the Cinderella service and she was going to put more money in it to try and stop that happening. How's that going? It's yeah. been a little while and it very much seems like, you know, at least Cinderella uh, had some balls. Yeah, 2-2-2, right. Well, balls to that one. Uh, another troubling story. Well, let's move over to this one now. Monday's Times are reporting that Boris Johnson is going to go nuclear, Leo. Yeah, so Boris Johnson, um, previously the government was expected to vastly expand its wind power capacity from uh, 14 gigawatts to possibly as much as 45 gigawatts, whatever that means. I've no idea, but loads of them. Uh, I just flew to Dublin and uh, flying over, you see, like, in the sea, there's uh, there's just acres and acres of all, all these wind turbines. Uh, so we've obviously got... Are they, are they ours or the Irishes? Well, this, this was off the coast of, I believe it would be Liverpool. Right. Um, so they're definitely ours, and they're powering uh, all the lights in the in the Beatles Museum. Um, but yeah. there's uh, most most of these would be in Scotland. But th there's concerns amongst the Tories that uh, that wind power isn't popular with Tory voters uh, because it ruins the the landscape when they come out of their country manors and survey the view. They don't want to see these big uh, you know sci-fi windmills chopping the air, knocking over seagulls. Um, so Boris wants to go for nuclear instead, which to be honest, I think is a great idea. Nuclear is always on, uh, unless uh, unless it's been shut down, as has happened in France, in a story we're going to cover soon. Uh, but it's uh, it's very safe. Um, it's, it's on demand. Whenever you need it, it's, it's there. It's not it's not just there when the wind blows. Um, so nuclear nuclear is, is a great idea. So I mean, the only problem with uh, with nuclear is that there is some uh, running. Uh, time so it takes you know a minimum of like you know sort of five years at the absolute minimum to to get a nuclear site uh, nuclear plant up and running. It's it's pathetic that we're in this situation, isn't it? We should have planned. If, if there's one job that the government would have, it's to sort of look ahead and and have infrastructural strategy. Well, this is I mean there's so much short termism in British Crazy. politics because our electoral cycle is you know four or five years, so you know they don't plan. And nuclear power stations, you know, you're talking about you know this is this is a decades long uh, you know cost uh, construction and also pay off. Uh, so they, they, they don't plan ahead, but the, the lack of that planning is now shown, you know, we're completely dependent on, on Russian oil and gas and also Saudi Arabian oil and gas. Um, so yeah, we should have we planned ahead and built more of these things.
The Guardian are reporting on a rather troubling climate report, Steve. Yeah, this is almost part two of the windmills and nuclear. Let's now get into the report that says that we should be trying to move away from fossil fuels. It's in The Guardian, so you can guess the angle they're taking on it. It's very much it needs to be done urgently. But at the same time, energy is now part of the culture war, so you can guess what the pushback is. Yeah. And it seems bizarre. I remember back when I was at school, 95, let's say it was 95, I was doing GCSE balanced science. And in there, if you'd have written down, like, a good mix of energy would be renewables with nuclear as a base load, you get your nine points, you get yourself a B, and move on with your life. And somehow, no-one's learnt that answer. It's yeah. been decades later, and the government's right. not sorted this out. Um, and the interesting thing, I do like this, the report says that you shouldn't look at technologies that don't exist as a solution. And I see their point. Yeah. If you're allowed to list technologies that don't exist, I'm coming up with the dilithium chamber from Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the Romulans use an artificial singularity to power their warp drive. That would just be stupid. But dilithium, why not? Um, he's writing that down. Good work. Uh, the, uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has commissioned three di dilithium um, devices uh, just for number 10 alone. Yeah. Yeah, just to power the parties. <laughs> won't be ready on time, though. That's it, the problem. It probably won't be. Uh, you're pulling your hair out, aren't you, with this, uh, with this lack of foresight? Uh, and also the fact that, OK, that you might want to sign up to the green agenda and you're worried about climate change, so we decarbonise our economy, which we've done, except that we've then just imported fossil fuels from elsewhere. It's like, if you're going to use oil and gas, maybe use the British stuff. Just be honest about it. And I, I think because now energy has become part of this argument that happens that people call the culture war, mm. it means that the solution is going to annoy everyone. Like the yeah. solution is going to include a bit more of the opposite side that you don't like than you're happy with. So people who think that we just need nothing but renewable, I'm afraid we're going to need to have fossil fuel whilst we lower fossil fuel, yeah. have better fossil fuel rather than dirty coal, gas would be better, and then nuclear is cleaner than uh, would you uh, Would you like a frack? With me? Well, yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you and I could... We could, uh, we could go fracking. Well, I don't know whether we need to or not. I, I understand the arguments about how it's cleaner, but if we can pop up some nuclear reactors, the modular ones look safer and easier to build... Mm. Uh, but would you be concreting over potential fracking sites? Because that, I think, would be an absolute red rag to many bulls. Yeah, but I'm not sure, because anything that's got fossil in it is definitely a temporary solution. That, that temporary might be longer than our lifetimes, but... This, if you can find something that's going to run for beyond just the life, lifetime of whatever reservoir you tap into, mm. it's a better solution. I mean, I think maybe the answer with fracking is you hold fire just in case Vladimir Putin or someone else does something even worse. So you've got that option. But you don't frack, you just keep the functionality. Because for me, to fill them in with concrete strikes me as infrastructural vandalism. Yeah, no, I take the point. And also, because it's so irreversible. So what are, you people, think? are people actually talking about? Is this a serious... Oh, so basically the government delayed the, the concreting over of two potential fracking sites, th like this week. But why would they concrete them? Oh, so close them uh, indefinitely and secure them, so essentially. No, is that so, so that nobody yeah, can use them? Call, yeah, so calling time. I think, so I think in they, the future, if we decide uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we need gas... That's right, we you, you concrete over, over the um, potential areas So it's like areas a birthday cake frack. and stamping on it so nobody can eat it. That's exactly right. That's ridiculous. Which I know happened to you in... Honestly, this, that happened I mean, to you in We talk about the culture wars. This isn't part of the culture wars. What we've done, <laughs> what green policy has done, has left us completely dependent on Russian oil and gas. So in, in Scotland, for example, Pat, Patrick Harvey, the, the head of the Scottish Greens, uh, he said that anybody who wants a job 
job in uh, North Sea Oil is an extreme far-right fascist, uh, you know, which, is, which is ridiculous. I mean, he's made it part of, the, part of the culture wars. But really, what we should be doing is developing North Sea Oil and Gas, because then we control it. Uh, we can make sure it's developed in, a, in an environmentally friendly way, uh, which you know for a fact that the oil and gas developed in Russia is not adhering to strict British and EU regulations of uh, environmental standards, and it's got to be piped or shipped all the way here. So, uh, so yeah, I think you know the, the green policy has really left us uh, so dependent on Putin. It's the culture of offsetting, isn't it? Box ticking, like corporations, where governments can say, "Oh, we've decarbonised our economy because we, we're not drilling for oil and gas anymore, except we import it." Yeah. But somehow, it's a little bit like cooking the books, isn't yeah. it? And we're paying. It's, we're it, paying a tyrant. It, we're paying, you know, Saudi Arabia or, or Putin. But this for... is like creative accountancy. Yeah. I, I used to. Uh, I worked for a media company, and I used to have this. Uh, little 125 moped, a hairdryer on wheels. And I just used to say, because uh, they were kind enough to offer, like, transport. And I said, well, look, you want to get a cab, you know. It's like a 15-mile round trip. Mm. I go on my little scooter. Do you mind if I give you my receipt for the, for the mileage? Mm. And they went, no, no, we, we can't do that, but we can, we can put you in a taxi <laughs> because the taxi uh, has got hybrid cars which will offset our carbon footprint and we can just say how nice right, we are. Right. Like, I think you'll find that my little hairdryer on wheels produces fewer emissions than a heavy gas-guzzling hybrid. Yeah, yeah. But that's the way of the world now. Yeah. It's, all as, about, it's all about what's on the surface. You as know. soon as the government gets involved, then uh, systems fall apart and break down. Too right. And on that optimistic note, <laughs> I thought you were going to sing. That's why I left you to <laughs> Maria! Let's move on. The Times are reporting that the French may have trouble washing their clothes over the next few weeks. Yeah. They, surely they're not going to get more stinky. Well, I mean, the good thing is they won't <laughs> mind. Because they're French, am I right? Uh, no. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, after, after we're talking about how great nuclear power, power is and it's going to save us all, uh, unfortunately, uh, this story shows the flaws in nuclear power. So the operator of France's electricity grid uh, has said that uh, customers have to cut their consumption of electricity in half because they've had to close down not one, but two nuclear power stations. So nuclear power provides the majority of France's electricity. Over 60%. It's about three quarters. Yeah. Three quarters. Uh, and also they, they uh, then send nuclear power generated electricity to the Channel Islands and even to the UK. Uh, so, you know, the whole, whole of Europe is affected by their nuclear power and obviously right now is the time when we need that nuclear power the most because you know we want to distance ourselves step back from Russian oil and gas unfortunately they found uh, faults in a pipe uh, in the safety system of one of the reactors uh, so they've shut down that plant uh, and they've also shut down another plant because it's got the same kind of pipes so there's trouble at mill. now French people have to stop using so much electricity but I defend that step because if ever there's a wait and see if this pipe leaks or not, <laughs> you don't, in a toilet, fair enough, but in a nuclear power plant, no, I'd rather go for the precaution. Yeah. And look, they, they're told to try and use less electricity at certain times, between 7am and 10am on a Monday, move your electricity use to the weekend. A government-sanctioned Monday lie-in? They're living the dream, aren't they? Take that. Although, is this the, uh, the new world order? You will have nothing and you'll be happy. Does it set the precedent? The state telling you, right, you can only have electricity on these days at these times. Yeah. Does that not feel like an encroachment to you? That's a jump. Yeah. Look at you go. Oh, I went for it. Someone's been on the internet. Oh, Charlie Schwab. <laughs>
I reckon. But no, I mean, yeah. I, I don't like. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I, I, I don't actually think things like that. You know, that the lockdowns were were a conspiracy thing. I think they were a cock up. But uh, I don't like the setting the precedent of the government deciding when we have energy. Yeah, now. a little man from the government come around his bicycle with a basket full of electricity and handing it out if you've ticked your ration card. That is already what we have, though, effectively, isn't it? I mean, if you if you try and use so much that the national grid can't provide it, you don't get it anymore. We do depend on the place that generates the electricity to get the ele electricity. Yeah. It's just that supply and demand's kind of matched. But I wonder how much that might be leveraged by eco-extremists in the future, saying, oh, well, the French have done it now. Mm. They don't turn the kettle on on a Monday morning. Yeah. You know, maybe we well, should try the yeah. same. Loads of cities had that thing of only letting half the cars be used due to pollution. You know, if your reg number was an even number or an odd number, you could use it on a certain mm. day. That yeah. didn't catch on, mainly because people bought two cars. Well, yeah, but, in Jakarta, yeah, that's what they did. They bought two cars, yeah. which is actually worse for the environment yeah. than one car, would you but, believe? Yeah. I will say Who's in the name? Jakarta. What are you going to do? The having the ability... I've been working on that for three hours, thanks. If you thanks for off, nothing. Tough I'm crowd. Trying to I'm help, here all week. I'm trying to help the world right now, Mark. Try the liver. Um, if you turn off a light bulb, like one of these energy-saving light bulbs, yeah. you're saving, like, 11 watts. But if you turn off an old-style incandescent light bulb, you're mm. saving 60 watts. So I've swapped all of my bulbs to the old ones mm. so that when I leave them off, saving more electricity. Uh, can I just say that I don't have the skin for LED? Mm. It, it really washes me out, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's like in mist. You turn yeah. it on and it's like you're in mist. Mrs Dolan thinks I'm yeah. like Count Dracula or something. Do you know and what also, I mean? I literally... I'm, I'm sort of, like, luminescent. Well, the, and also this idea that, you know, they use more power. And so the power is wasted. It's only true if, uh, if your house is already warm. Uh, because they're giving out that excess power as, as heat, which is nice if your house is cold. So it's not really a waste. Yeah, wise words. Uh, I think we'll do a new item on the show. Leo's words of wisdom. Yeah, science. How about this? <laughs> science. I think the issue they've got in France, by the way, is there's a, there's a kind of French equivalent of Homer Simpson just asleep at the wheel at the nuclear power plant. And that's why they haven't got uh, their ovens on on a Monday morning. Monday Telegraph, uh, Monday's Telegraph, and farmers are having trouble with people commenting on their meat. We've all been there, Steve. <laughs> hey, uh, you're on the internet again, but a different part of it. Nice. Farmers. Uh, I'm, I, I, I mainly stay on the dark web now just because, um, you know, that's where the bargains are. Nice. Uh, farmers are upset. Because uh, a report, a study has claimed that red meat sector is as bad as tobacco or fossil fuels. Mm. Look, till they invent a solar-powered steak, we're going to fall out. There are some things that are going to cost. And as much as that's a flippant joke, it's actually also true that, yes, if you don't want to have any impact, we could just tell humanity to top itself. But I we agree. Don't. So I it's agree. got to be some balance in there. Although they're claiming that this research from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, I always think that is, that's got quite a leap in it, that title, hasn't it? London School of Hygiene, well, mopping, mopping down the work surface, and tropical medicine. You are. Yeah, so, it is a bit, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and do you think that the, the, the staff are split between those that can handle the hygiene bit, you know, some guy with some sanitizer spray, and then the geniuses that sort out tropical, tropical diseases? Oh, yeah, there's the dengue fever lab, and the, <laughs> oh, we're now up to 99.9% .9 of all bacteria. <laughs> How's that working? For you. But they do say that the harms caused by making red meat uh, comparable to tobacco and fossil fuels, the farmers well, disagree. Steve and Alan, where do they get that from? Well, they get it from the fact that there is a carbon impact of growing some cows. They do the burping and they do the trumping. Mm. And the and, and methane does absorb more UV photons, you know, the excitation of electrons in covalent bonds. Remember that bad boy from GCSE Balance Science? You're kidding. I've had the uh, periodic table tattooed onto my arm. And where are your lampanides? 
Uh, they're uh, they're resting at the moment because of my age. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been using a cream. But but so you're you're arguing that the science says actually that red meat probably is a cause for concern. Well, no, I I would say there's research that says there might be reasons to eat less red mm. meat, but there's also reasons to go running three times a week. But I don't want to live in a world where we're forced to. I think that's right. And also, I mean, do we not have any worries about if we're going to go plant based? This idea of monocrop agriculture. So if you're going to have things like corn and wheat and soy, which would replace meat, wouldn't it? Mm. Those would be the staples um, and rice. You've just got like dedicated monocrop agriculture with pesticides and fertilizers. And one company owning the copyright on that particular. Yeah, yeah, some of it genetically modified. Uh, is that is that progress compared to Daisy the cow pooing on the land? Well, not necessarily, but, well, a mixed bag, isn't it? There'd be less carbon being used, but you might leave yourself more vulnerable. If all of a sudden some parasite comes along that can wipe yes. out those three crops, we're going to be a bit hungry. And also, aren't we running out of soil or something? Isn't it this issue of the topsoil? You use more topsoil per cow, and it's bizarre. Right? But, but don't yeah. the cows nurture the topsoil? Yeah, this is, I mean, I think this is all... I, I query some of the science. I grew up in the countryside. There was cows, and they ate grass and probably some other stuff as well, and they lived in fields, and it was all fine. Like, nobody died. And also sheep. Uh, that, that land can't be used for, for other kinds of... It can't be used for arable crops. It's, uh, it's upland uh, hills, so you can't, you can't plough it. So I think uh, these people who say we've all got to eat uh, corn KFC nuggets, <laughs> um, for a start, I don't want to eat something that tastes like erasers. And uh, second, That was a good self-edit, well done. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed. Neo Curse has gone soft. Yeah, we knew those, what was coming. Unlike those corn nuggets. Oh, my God. I'll de chewing them all day. Next up, apparently, we can breed animals to not fart. We were talking about uh, this issue just before the break, about sort of how environmentally unfriendly cows might be. So yeah. what's going on here, Leah? Farts. So uh, the next big step, this is reported in The Times, the next big step in the UK's battle against global warming is they're breeding uh, genetically modified herds of climate-friendly cows, uh, which is a word I always just used to uh, describe... Um, Women who read the Guardian, but um, so there's a there's a genetics company called Genus. Uh, so and it, it previously has hit the headlines because it had this uh, record-breaking Holstein bull called uh, Pixton Shottle, uh, whose semen is said to have produced more than 100,000 female calves in 20,000 herds in 22 countries. And he, uh, this bull died uh, in 2015 with a smile of, on his face of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so now... You've got the videos? Have you seen the movies? <laughs> no, I've seen... I mean, you wouldn't want to watch all of them. Oh, my God, you would be a changed man. It's like, it's but, like, uh, it's like uh, the old uh, James Herriot, but a little bit more spicy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, all creatures great and small. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like that. It's more like Robocop. They, uh, but, they're, yeah, so they're, they're breeding these cows that don't fart as much because farting is really bad for the environment, uh, not just your, your local environment, such as a lift... Uh, it's also bad. It goes up <laughs> in the atmosphere and, uh, you know, it does, uh, it mingles with the ozone and creates CFCs or whatever Steve said earlier. Yeah, well, well, on that, that though, it's yeah. me thing, because it's got carbon in the middle and four hydrogens, it's got more bonds to absorb mm. some of this UV. Carbon dioxide is not as bad. So the other solution would just be to have a little pilot light at the, bo uh, the backside of a cow. Because mm. it breaks wind, oh, yeah. burn it into uh, carbon dioxide. No one's coming to me with all the grant money for research. And they have, they have, in some places, they actually collect the methane. 
Uh, they've got the you know the slurry pit. Obviously not direct from the cow, pipe the cow's well. anus. But uh, from the slurry pits, they they cover them and uh, and collect the methane and then use it in uh, industrial things. Well, um, exploding cows sounds interesting, but whatever you do, don't Google those two words. <laughs> it's time now for some genuinely hopeful news. Steve, you're always the bearer of good news. Oh, thank you. I mean, yeah, so the story is that there's a new cancer treatment that uses the body's cellular waste disposal system to uh, attack the cells, these harmful proteins. But just for the record, Leo gets a story about cars bre uh, cows breaking wind. I get cancer. Do joke, Steve. I know. Oh, um, but it's just with, with a quirky sideways look at cancer here, Steve. And I. <laughs> it's just good news. So there's a, yeah. a thing it's in the body anyway that can get some proteins, realise they're bad, move them out, but it doesn't spot them in cancers. But they've managed to add these flags to cancers that effectively make them visible to this um, part of the body. It's great. Surely this is the future. Yeah. The way that we can just somehow tweak the body to get it to attack cancer because Amazing. all the things that we do with chemotherapy and radiotherapy are blunt tools on the cellular level whereas when you get down into what the body can do that's when you're talking yeah because uh, things like radiotherapy i mean you're, you're nuking every cell really aren't you in the hope that the bad ones will die and and uh, let's hope that uh, cancer patients can uh, can be optimistic yeah, about guess, the future guess what what country is the country that's supposed to be worst in the world mark well, at uh, treating cancer. No, just worst in the world in general. Uh, Britain. Well, Everybody says it's Britain. I read the Guardian. It says it's Britain. Guess what country invented this? Britain. The UK. Yeah, the UK. And, so uh, not and so a, a COVID nineteen vaccine produced at cost as well yeah, among yeah, many. It doesn't other need innovation. to be refrigerated. Uh, the the it's like Dyson. A, it's like a stout. It's like the, a bottle the, of stout. The, 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 the Dyson vacuum cleaner, the internet, yeah. and deep fried Mars bars. Televisions. There you go. Yeah, antibiotics, lots of stuff. Still like deep-fried Mars bars the best, but each to their own. Monday's Express now, and it turns out our diets, speaking of which, are not as nutritious as they need to be, Leo. Well, they're talking about uh, fortifying food with vitamin D. I think they already do, or already do this with, uh, like, certain food gets uh, folic acid. Would that be cereal? And yeah, yeah, cereal's jam-packed with, uh, with, with all kinds of stuff. Um, but apparently there's a vitamin D deficiency in the UK. Um, so in, in a lack of vitamin D can lead to deformations, uh, particularly in bones. Uh, so you can get rickets in children. Uh, in, in adults, you can get bone pain, uh, which is a condition called osteoporosis. Malaysia, and I remember when I was young seeing people with rickets in uh, in Glasgow with you know the bendy bendy legs. You know Do they call it bow leg syndrome. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, because you look like you know you're sort of uh, you've been riding a horse. I see. I, yeah. I thought those people were gangsters. I didn't realise they were unwell. Very short gangsters. Yeah, because uh, I thought that that swarthy gait was just the, the natural mechanism of a criminal. Do you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. realise their legs weren't straight. I thought that was uh, an attitude thing. Right, no, you can't change the, the curvature of your legs through mental attitude. Um, otherwise, we'd all do it. So you're telling me there's nothing good about rickets, basically? There's proper. basically nothing good about rickets, unless, unless, you've got to, unless you want to win a limbo dancing competition um, or, you know, you want to have... Uh, you're in the circus and you want people to run between your legs. You know, there's nothing, well, nothing good about rickets. Never say also, never. Go also, you know, Britain's got quite high levels of immigration, so I think it was, uh, it was over 700,000 in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, so people are coming here from sunnier places, you know, um, Pakistan or Syria or whatever. And then uh, in, in our uh, climate, their, their skin can't generate enough vitamin D yeah. uh, to survive. So my friend actually has to take vitamin D supplements because the British weather is trying 
trying to kill him. Uh, very briefly, because I bullied producer Martin into letting us do this story, because uh, one issue is that, I mean, vitamin D, for example, has been recommended uh, to people uh, as, I, I, think it, I think it potentially helps with your immune system, and there's been some link with, you know, the, the threat of COVID and, and, and low vitamin D levels. It's certainly worth discussing and exploring that. David Davis, the Tory MP, was banging on on this show when I interviewed him about why aren't we giving people vitamin D? It's very cheap and, it, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's worth a go to, to help people with any COVID symptoms or prevent it, perhaps. Uh, but what I'm bothered about is this idea of the state unilaterally putting certain things into the food mm. we eat. Uh, so there's been talk of florida, flor, fluoridation of, of tap water. Yeah. That you Which... put fluoride into tap water, but the problem is fluoride in large doses, is toxic. Yeah. So if you have a little bit, it's not great, is it? And but it marks the teeth as well. Like I've, I've got friends who grew up in Germany and it marked their teeth when they were, when they were kids. And then there's, talk, there's, there's talk vitamin D. There's vitamin D. I mean, I know at yeah. like, incredibly high doses, vitamin D is dangerous, but is it is it dangerous at these levels? Well, I doubt it is, but I just don't know whether I want stuff put in my food without me asking, you know. And then there's also even talk of putting statins into the water supply to help with heart disease. Mm. I think... It's Thank true to say in, in high levels, then things are bad for you. Same is true of chocolate. Mm. Like, high enough, it's technically a poison. Um, but I agree, I'm not one of these personal responsibility nuts, but I do think the government's job isn't to get us to take our vitamin supplements like you have to do with a cat, put its neck back and stroke its throat until it swallows. Um, no, it's, it's up to you. Is that how you do it? That vitamin supplements. Unkind. That cat, never be your cat. Well, that cat's not going to get a tan. It's got a thick coat. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, if you can't make up your own mind about either eating better or taking a supplement, it's kind of your fault. Uh, fair enough, and uh, I can't disagree with that. A change in divorce proceedings that I can never take advantage of, Steve. Tell me more. Well, is I'm gutted. These are no-fault divorces, and you are clearly at fault. Is um, that what you meant by I'm, that? I'm a nightmare. Ah. You know, uh, Mrs Dolan is long-suffering. Uh, she would claim unreasonable behaviour, but now she doesn't even need that. Oh, that's true. From Wednesday, the new rules come in. You don't need to identify someone as being at fault, which is good. It's bizarre we had this system anyway. But there is now a worry that there'll be a rush on the amount of court proceedings. I'm not sure about this. Why would it take a long time in a court if it's a no-fault divorce? In, out, you don't want to be together, off you go. Most of the well, time, you should be just shambling. The problem is, it's, it's not in, out, which is why you split up. But well, uh, there is. <laughs> I do think it's weird that we live in a world. Leo, will you behave yourself? It's, there's more uh, paperwork. It's very unreasonable divorced. sometimes. More yeah. paperwork to get divorced than there is to get married. Think about that before you sign up on that first. Well, can I say, it costs money as well. Let me, let me tell you, I, 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 I love Mrs. Dolan. Uh, I'm punching above my weight. And when I say weight, I don't mean she's big. She is big, but that's the pregnancy four years ago. But can I just say, that the reason why I never split up with her is because we're paying for a Siemens dishwasher slowly. And that is what commitment looks like in 2022. I wouldn't have thought it? that would get dishes clean. <laughs> well, it, it, would, it would help. But, but this is actually, commitment is now, don't worry about what you said to the priest or the rabbi. Uh, this is, commitment is now a mortgage that you share mm. and credit cards and a dishwasher. You can sell these property, these assets. <sighs> Not without taking a bath. I've looked into it. <laughs> I've been on. Uh, I've been on. We we buy any dishwasher.com, and honestly, the Siemens is getting nothing. And that's there why you, you want a divorce. But you two don't have to worry about divorces. You're you're in the early early throes of romance, mm. for which I'm very jealous. <laughs>
Uh, how about working from home? It may help mothers to rise the ranks of police, Leah. Yeah, so uh, the future of the police could see more officers working from home and choosing their own hours in a bid to improve diversity in the police, which is, of course, incredibly uh, important, far more important than uh, catching criminals or stopping crimes happening. So, um, yeah, the, Paul Fotheringham, who's the president of the Police Superintendents Association, has suggested such arrangements would, uh, would help women uh, with young children reach senior ranks uh, rather than making them feel they had to bow out of the force due to, you know, having children. So, I mean, it's, it's good. In a way, it's good, you know, that the police can have, you know, women in the police force can have children and, and stay in the force. On the other hand, what about instead of working from home and, like, choosing your own hours, what about going out and ve investigating crimes and stopping crimes and, like, finding out who committed crimes? We've got a terrible detection rate in this country. And, you know, the police seems to be distracted with, you know, diversity, working from home, uh, painting everything rainbow-coloured. Like, what, what about crime? Shouldn't they be focusing on crime? Listen, Am I mad? That, that, that kind of heresy will get you cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't disagree. In their defence, we all know most of the crimes are online these days, so if you can just Google it. Oh, yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why they've made all this Twitter stuff. Again. That's, why, that's why it's illegal to send a tweet now. You can't, like, misgender somebody in a tweet. So that makes it it's much easier to go and investigate a tweet and get somebody, somebody uh, jailed for that than it is to actually maybe, I don't know, investigate who smashed my car and stole all my camera gear. I don't know. I'm thinking of a new item for the show called <laughs> Let's Trigger Leo. <laughs> a topic I'm not altogether confident will be handled delicately and sensitively. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, uh, take a, talk about a decision of female pay rises. Um, Leo. Yes, yeah, so, um, so women who ask for pay rises are less likely to get them than men. So this is yet more evidence that women aren't as good at their jobs as men. No, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is shown. I'm being, I'm being like, you know, that was a joke in case like Victoria Corrin's watching, tries to get me sent to the tower for misogyny. Uh, but yeah, apparently 43% um, of men who ask for a pay rise get it compared with just a third of women. I mean, it's not, it's not a huge disparity. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is, this is, you know, feeding into, into the, this sort of gender pay gap, I suppose. It's interesting there's an age part of this as well, that it's, it's worse for women 30 or over. And that just shows that this is probably a legacy problem moving through the system. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, look, the bottom line is I think women are hugely undervalued in our society and it looks like a story that, frankly, uh, raises more questions than it answers. Uh, now a story I couldn't help but notice and be slightly aroused by from The Guardian, Leo. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is really going to hit Scotland hard. Uh, the Taliban has announced a ban on poppy production. Um, and that's, of course, used to make opium, which is used to make heroin. Um, so the, the Taliban have, have said they're going to they're gonna go and burn all the crops and, uh, and farmers can be jailed if they proceed with the, the harvest. Um, the, only, the only problem with this is, so farmers, uh, you know, about 20 years ago, farmers in Afghanistan tried to grow wheat, but they couldn't sell it. It just rotted in the fields because t Afghanistan doesn't have the infrastructure to take the wheat, to harvest the wheat and then take it to market. So, uh, whereas, whereas heroin, of course, is very... I don't I don't know if you've ever um, seen it on TV shows, but it's, it's tiny. 
It's yeah. far smaller. Like, you know, a, a thousand pounds worth of uh, heroin is far smaller than a thousand pounds worth of wheat. And that's even with the cost of living. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, well, of course, and it, it uh, devastates lives. It's an interesting story. How about this from wheat. the Daily yeah, Star? Wheat, <laughs> wheat, gluten. Wheat, exactly. Very bloating. Yeah. Uh, this one in the Daily Star, and all I'll say is Brazilian Ronaldo has got some interesting japes in his time, hasn't he, Steve? Yes. He apparently uh, romped with three prostitutes, uh, but they all turned out to be men. You know, it's a familiar story. I think we can all relate. Um, I... By the way, you know this romping. What is romping? Do you, do you, do you have to pay? When, when you do Full the price. deal, Full do you say, romping. I, I would like you, to romp? When you jump up and down in the bed. Is that it? Yeah. Is it pillowcases? Yeah, yeah. That's in the extras category. Yeah. The pillowcase. Is there an uproarious laughter when you romp? Is that right? Well, I bet there is when you walk in and it turns out there are three guys. So wait a minute. Yeah, do, what, 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 what do we read into this? Well, we don't need to read much into it because he's effectively fessed up to the, yeah, I was trying to hire three prostitutes. It was back in 2008. He was recovering from knee surgery. Hiring three prostitutes to help with knee surgery. I've been doing it something wrong because I think it uses your knees anyway. But what happened was... Well, it's a hand job, isn't it, on the knee? I mean, you've got to work with your hands. It's, it's, it's a job for the hands yeah. to, to heal someone's knee. That's... Perhaps he thought that they were just uh, rather extravagantly dressed osteopaths. It's an easy mistake to make. It's a typo. It's one heck of a typo. But, I mean, I kind of wish he wasn't so rich so that he would have walked in and then been like, well, I can't waste the money now, and, yeah. and gone through with it. But what happened was these three male ladies of the night were trying to then um, exploit him and blackmail him. Oh, no. Uh, they demanded $30,000, £15,000, grand. They must have seen well, it. Well, it's a little, a little bit pricey. Uh, luckily, you two are much cheaper and you've been brilliant as always. Thanks to Leo and Steve. And I'll, uh, I'll see you very soon. Headline is back tomorrow at 11. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 